Welcome to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Your hosts are Becky Olson and Sharon Hennepin. Our show is here to help breast cancer patients, survivors, their friends and family with the resources, support, and inspiration they can use right now. Here are your hosts, Sharon and Becky. Welcome to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. My name is Becky Olson. I'm a four-time, 21-year breast cancer survivor. I'm also a motivational speaker, and I'm the published author of The Hat That Saved My Life. Um, Sharon is off for the holiday, but she and I are also the co-founders of Breast Friends. And we have a really important show today um, because this is a topic that comes up, and I think there's a lot of misunderstanding about it. So we're going to get the record set straight. But before we get into our topic, I just wanted to mention something that... I have had many of these so far um, this holiday season. There are a lot of people out there that are misrepresenting themselves as being a charity. And I'm getting emails from all kinds of people, especially in the breast cancer arena, because it's very obvious I'm interested in that subject, and Google knows all. (laughs) So just be careful when you get a solicitation from an organization. Check and make sure that that really is from them and And if you have any questions about it, go to their website. Don't click any links in the emails because there's just a lot of fraud happening right now. So just wanted to caution you about that because the organizations that you do support need your support. And you want to make sure that your your donations get to that organization. So with that said, we are now going to move into our program. Uh, Breast cancer, as we all know, is one of the most prevalent causes or prevalence of cancers in women. It's not only physically challenging, but can also be life-threatening. Mammography has been touted as the early detection modality, but dense breast tissue can interfere and decrease its capability by up to 50%. And, you know, I didn't know that until we started doing our research on this this program today. Our guests today are bosom buddies, Dr. Nancy Capello and Bonnie Rush. Dr. Capello is the founder and director of two nonprofits, Are You Dense, Inc., which I love that name, and Are You Dense Advocacy, Incorporated, and inspired the first density reporting law in the nation in Connecticut in 2009. And I also didn't know this. As of today, we have 31 laws across the country, and we are going to spend a little bit of time talking about that at the end. Um, I know after this conversation, we're going to have a much better understanding of the risk of breast density and the means to help eliminate late-stage detection. So welcome, Nancy and Bonnie. Thanks for joining us on our show today. Thank you, Becky. And well, that's, thank you, that's, Becky. Okay, now I'm going to pick, pick out the voices. The first one there was Nancy, because they're not in my studio. So, Nancy, that was the first voice, and Bonnie, you were second, right? Yeah, that's right. So, Okay, we just want to make sure our, our audience knows who you are as well. So, why don't the two of you um, just take a moment and introduce yourselves to the audience and tell us a little bit about your backgrounds. And, Bonnie, why don't you go first? All right. Thank you so much, Becky. First, I want to say how excited both Nancy and I are to share this hour with our other breast friends and bosom (laughs) buddies. So my career began on the front lines of early detection as a mammography technologist. Some of you may have known me as the great breast compressor or might have wanted to call me Cruella. The point was that I believed in what I was doing and I was there when mammography began and that means I have been around for quite a while. It also allowed me to be involved with many firsts in promoting and providing mammography services in my San Diego communities through such organizations as the American Cancer Society Mm -hmm. and the state and county uh, public health departments. I also founded the first low-cost mammography program in my area. Ultimately, my experience in mammography allowed me to establish my own company, which is called Breast Imaging Specialist. I provide quality regulatory mentoring to mammography providers. I'm also a noted educator, lecturer, and writer, and am the author of a very exciting manual called (laughs) A Regulatory Explanation of the Mammography Quality Standards Act. I know all of you out there will now want to be reading that manual. (laughs) But despite my belief in mammography and excitement about the newest technology of 3D, my world was shaken in 2012. At that mm-hmm. time, I had to reassess my convictions and have now added to my focus that of a dense breast imaging advocate to educate screening providers on the need to consider ancillary imaging for those with dense breasts. 
Good. And we will talk about that in just a little bit. So um, can we hear from you, Nancy, just a little bit about your background? And then we're going to kind of jump, start jumping into some of the questions that we sure, have for I'll you. Sure. I'll be really brief because you already mentioned. Okay. Um, I, I, by the way, I have a PhD. I'm not a medical doctor, so I can't okay. write any scripts. Uh, of course, my mom doesn't like that very much when she thinks I can actually uh, give her a script for some one of her ailments at 91 years old. Um, so, you know, here's the craziness about my work and, and how I got stumbled into this breast cancer work. It's because I just was, like most, a lot of women, just average risk woman. Uh, I had a career in education, illustrious career. I spent years at the State Department of Education, had had great um, great education background. I taught at the um, University of Connecticut. So I just was just a regular old person trying to, you know, have a good life, and a good mm-hmm. family, good living, and I never missed a mammogram appointment because my mom and my aunts never missed their mam- mammogram appointment. Well, good so, for them. <laughs> uh, yeah, good for them, except that's what I thought. Uh, this is the sadness, Becky, for me and for many women. I figured since I was getting my mammogram year after year after year, I was really preventing, in the unlikely event I had cancer, a later stage diagnosis. Sure. But I found out in 2004 when I was diagnosed with advanced stage breast cancer, stage mm-hmm. 3C, my cancer had metastasized, which you don't want, to 13 lymph nodes the same day the ultrasound illuminated an inch tumor the mammogram was still normal. It was not seen on mammogram, and I was shocked, scared yeah. what happened, and that catapulted me to do what I'm doing today 14 years later. Wow. You know, that's always so scary when you think of it, because, I mean, mammograms do pick up, you know, a large percentage of the tumors, but there are some that they just flat miss, and you know, and I'm sure that we're going to get into that conversation here, you know, a little bit. But why don't you guys tell me quickly how you met and how you became breast friends? I love that. And Nancy, I think you were going to start with that. No, okay. Um, well, I I met Bonnie, and you know, I think Bonnie has a really interesting story because she was in the business of being a mammographer and understanding the importance of early detection. And again. Both of us really understand that. We believe that early detection is really important, and we know Mm -hmm. from the research, and both of us are big scientists, research folks that study the research to make our Mm -hmm. informed decision. And so we were at a, actually, I was invited to speak at an event in California, in San Francisco. Bonnie, was that 2011 or 12? It was actually 2013. It was. Oh, boy, how time flies. And I was just stunned to hear Bonnie's story of a, she just was recently diagnosed with, um, and she'll tell you a little more, breast cancer after a, you know, the best, the best uh, technology is, certainly is 3D um, right now, and she was early on, had that uh, opportunity. And so from there, because of her background in the field and because of my uh, limited knowledge in many respects of the technology and the specific pieces of that, we just became uh, breast friends, and uh, a lot of it was because certainly of our cancer diagnosis, but also because we were both really advocates for early mm-hmm. detection for every single woman. Well, that's good. And so, um, Bonnie, you guys met at a density workshop, is that? Yes, that is correct. And so that was at the uh, UCSF, and it was shortly at University of California, San, uh, San Francisco. It was shortly after I had been diagnosed, and all of a sudden I was like in a new world for me, having held mammography as the gold standard, and yet, as Nancy indicated, the newest technology did not visualize my breast cancer. So I actually, this being a breast density workshop, and having a lot of well-noted individuals that were going to be there, it made sense for me to make the commitment to go to this um, so that I could learn more about breast density as well as its effect on imaging and actually where did breast imagers stand on risk, risk and ancillary imaging. And it was really a very distressing meeting in which I, got, I had the highest um, honor of meeting this very dynamic woman, Nancy Capella, who was not being supported by this group, but in many ways was seen as an individual that was trying to throw the baby out with the water. And that was not what the point was. We were there to indicate that mammography has obvious benefits, but we were wondering what was going on to help 
level the playing field for all women, including those of us that had dense breasts. So it did definitely bring Nancy and I together, and we have had, a, really, if one can say there's blessings to this, that is one of the greatest blessings that has occurred to me, um, is to have met Nancy Capella, a dynamic, educated, smart focused and actually extremely diplomatic individual in an arena that oh, was sorry. very I love you. Very <laughs> difficult to be diplomatic. I'm not a diplomat. Oh. Nancy has to keep me shut uh, up. Well. Anyway. So well, was, it's it's fun uh, to hear those stories cuz when Sharon and I day for us. Yeah, if, I, I understand totally. Sharon and I, you know, we're, as the co-founders of Breast Friends, we did this because we both shared a common experience as well. And, you know, it's amazing what can happen when you put two very strong, um, just, you know, intelligent and passionate women together to do something. And it's amazing the things that you can create from that. So really glad to have you guys on our show together. So, you know, can I ask you a really dumb question? I, I just... I know that there are a lot of people that think this, and I kind of always thought it too. And so I'm really glad you guys are on the show so you can clear up some myths for us. But I always associated dense breast tissue with just what happens when you're youthful. You know, you've got perky breasts. They're not sagging, so they must be dense. But um, is is it more than that? Well, it would be wonderful if we could, in fact, uh, do some kind of exercise to keep our breasts perky um, <laughs> and, uh, and useful. But the point that we're concerned about is what's under the skin, whether we're perky or not. And the fact is that even though you are absolutely right, uh, Becky, it is true that most dense tissue is in those that are younger. So about 50 to 60% of women ages 40 to 44 have dense breasts. But we still have, and amazingly so, women in their 70s, and they have shown that in that age group, about 20 to 30% of these women do have dense breasts. It does not mean that they're perky anymore. (laughs) Um, There actually was an Australian study that was done to try to identify if there was a genetic component to density, and they did find that there is. So longevity Uh of density may also be a genetic issue. One other issue that impacts density in the breast actually has to do with body habitus. So an individual that is quite slender will oftentimes have smaller breasts and those breasts will be denser, less fat on the body, less fat in the breast. And those women that are larger would, and I'm speaking actually, um, the study showed that these are women that are extremely heavy, and they would tend to have less density in their breasts and more of the fatty tissue. So okay, there you so go. So it kind of refers more to, it really refers more to the content of what, what is the breast made of? With, because we all know, as I mean, I, I, I nursed five children and mine were pretty saggy, even though I was diagnosed at 43. So I was mm. at the age where maybe I would have, except I'd had all these kids and, and mine weren't. So it's really more about the tissue that makes up the breast rather than the age. I mean, it could, that's exactly. kind of what I'm hearing. Yep. Yes. Right? You know, Becky, you brought up a very good point because in actuality, most breasts, I mean, our breasts are really sweat glands. That sounds so <laughs> terrible, but it is actually a fact. And they are here to do a job. And as hormones change in the body, then the um, actual construction of what we consider to be the necessary components for a lactation will over time begin to diminish. And we see that happening in a natural progression with a woman that her breasts will change over time, but also when she is lactating and having Having children, there is the chance that the breasts will lose some of the what we call the Cooper's ligaments that help to hold the breasts up. It doesn't necessarily impact the density at that point because you're still within that hormonal age group. It's really menopause that creates a, a different environs, and we um, do see then that breasts will change and involute less of that dense tissue in there. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, um, Becky, you should know, though, yes. Bonnie and I, um, we're not really spring chickens anymore. But <laughs> we are, uh, let's say, both in our 60s. 
and we're both dense. So we are still retained our density. So that's an important factor, especially when you are considering and choosing to have breast screening. Okay, that's that's really good to know. Now, we only have a couple minutes until the first break, so let me ask you a question. Um, I mean, you've really, you've given us a good picture of, of what dense breasts are. Um, why is it important for women to know their personal breast density? How, how does that impact what they're going to do? Did you want to take that, Nancy? Sure. Um, so uh, there's four categories of density from fatty, very fat, to extremely dense, and and it's been categorized by radiologists in, uh, right now, letters A, B, C, and D. And we consider those who are in the category of C and D, heterogeneously or extremely dense breasts, as having, quote-unquote, dense tissue. Okay. So the challenge is, and again, we have a lot more information on our website, pictures of dense breasts, what it means to patients, um, what they need to do when they, you know, have conversation with their docs. But the important part is, and again, Becky, I never knew this. Here I am, just a regular old educator, working at the State Department of Education, getting my yearly mammograms. I've had 11 of them. They were all normal. Little did I know that I had this hidden intruder because on a mammogram, on an x-ray, density appears white. So does cancer. So year Mm -hmm. after year, I'm getting my mammogram, faithful, never missing an appointment. And I had, my doctors told me once I was diagnosed, probably three or four years, this hidden intruder you couldn't see it because it was white, cancer's white, density's yeah. white. My breasts were so dense that my doctor said, you could have an elephant and you would never even be able to see <laughs> the, the darn elephant. So the point is, as the breast density increases, the reliability of a mammogram 2D and 3D decreases. And that's why it's important for women to know if they have dense tissue because the tool that they're counting on I, again, I'm not in this field. I mean, I am now, but I wasn't. I counted on, in the unlikely event I had breast cancer, mm-hmm. it would be found early because early does have benefits. Sadly, yeah. in my case, year after year, because of my extremely dense breast, my cancer was missed until big enough to be felt, which had metastasized to 13 lymph nodes. I'm still mm-hmm. not out of the woods of dying from this disease. You yeah, look at the size of the tumor and you look at the, 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 the node involvement. And so that is why we started RU-DENS and started making sure that women, patients, have the same information that their doctors have about their dense breasts, which will affect their breast health and, in some cases, their life. You know, this is such great information. We are going to take a break, but when we come back, I would like one of you to talk about what, what is the different treatment for women with dense breasts. So stay tuned. We'll be back in a minute. A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health & Wellness. Thank you for listening today. Breast Friends needs your support. We rely on donations to keep our doors open and to keep this radio program alive. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation to Breast Friends. You can visit us at breastfriends.org. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon. Be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time for Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Visit breastfriends.org and contribute today. When a woman is diagnosed with cancer, she faces unique challenges. No one understands this better than the experts at Compass Oncology. Our women's cancer program includes a team of specialists in breast and gynecologic cancers, genetic testing, and the ongoing care of women with high risk factors. From targeted therapies and clinical trials to needed emotional support, Compass is a leader in treating women's cancer. Find out more at compassoncology.com. When was the last time you felt free? It's time to uncover that feeling again with the compassion of a cross and shield and the power of a car that opens doors to the best hospitals and medical centers in all 50 states. Giving you the freedom to love, to dream, to dance like no one is watching. Regions Blue Cross Blue Shield. Live fearless. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health & Wellness. 
you are tuned into Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. To reach the program today, please call us at 1 866 472 5792. Again, that's 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email to Becky at breastfriends.org. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to our program. We've been talking about dense breasts and the relationship to screening and treatment of breast cancer with our guests, Bonnie Rush and Nancy Capella. And I had a question that we didn't actually quite get to. Um, There's a lot of conversation around this subject. It's very, very interesting. So how does a woman who uh, maybe she's in her 40s, never had a mammogram before, how does she know that she has dense breasts? Is there a test for it? And, And then if she does have dense breasts, what is the screening for for breast cancer with dense breasts? So, um, Nancy, you want to take that first part? Yeah, of that I'll take question? the first part, and then um, okay. Bonnie could could okay. uh, add to that. So that's okay. the exact question I asked. So when I was diagnosed with advanced stage breast cancer, the first thing I did, which most patients do, is you know, I went to the stage of diagnosis, American Cancer Society, and it said that less than forty nine percent of women survive five years with the stage three mm-hmm. C breast cancer. Mm-hmm. Are you kidding me? Less than Less than 49% of women survived five years. I never missed a mammogram. I was, when I tell you I was shocked, dumbfounded. I, never, I couldn't understand it. I thought they must have made a mistake. I just had my normal mammogram report, which was the same day. My ultrasound illuminated the, the inch cancer. And I said, but it says it's normal. And so that was my question. When I went back to my six doctors now, because I had a team, late-stage disease, I said, what happened? I don't understand. I just had a normal mammogram. I had 11 of them. And each of them proceeded to tell me, oh, Nancy, like nonchalant, like past the thought. Oh, you have dense breast tissue. What's that? And they <laughs> proceeded to tell me, in my case, now I didn't know at the time, Becky, that 40% of women have dense tissue. As the density of the breast increases, the reliability of the mammogram decreases, and that there were other technologies, which we're going to talk about, okay. that can find cancers that mammogram miss. And so when I got that information, when I went back and got copies of all my reports that I never saw, that were in my files that only went to my referring physician, every report for 11 years said I had extremely dense breasts. So the only one who didn't know that I had extremely dense breasts was the one who had it, was me. And then I went back to my docs and said, shouldn't women know this? And they said, no, we don't tell women that. And so we, in my state of Connecticut, with my husband and a few of my friends, we decided to get this information to the one that matters most, which is the patient. And so we spent about five years. I was diagnosed in 2004 in the first density reporting law became in existence in Connecticut in 2009 after a lot of hard work and a lot of wringing of hands and a lot of opposition from uh, radiology and other other physician trade organizations. But we became the first so that when a woman has her mammogram results, she gets information about her dense breast tissue. And as we said earlier, there's 31 states now across the nation. Wow. Nancy, before we go on, I I just want to say something to our listeners. Here is an example of a woman who was given... A really horrible prognosis. Who was diagnosed with stage three C, and that was thirteen years ago now. Yeah, almost and, fourteen next month. And here you are. And so I just want to just—I don't want that to just kind of get swept under the rug here because it's pretty significant. And I'm really happy that you're still here. So, uh, well, you I just know, again, I say well, I'm here for a few a few reasons. One could be luck too, but a few <laughs> is that I can try to keep healthy. And then yeah. I'm still on treatment. I'm still on medication to, you know, to mm-hmm. to re, re, uh, to help with the recurrence of breast cancer because I have an estrogen positive cancer which can re- recur for many many sure. years. Yes. Uh, so again, my status I too. wish the screening was the one that really saved me. Sadly, it didn't. And so, yeah. you know, Bonnie will talk a little bit more about what do you do if you have dense breasts and how do you have those conversations with your docs about what's right for you. Yeah. So, Bonnie, why don't you go ahead and, and let's share that because I think right. that's well, I think. Uh, first of all, obviously, Nancy is an amazing individual, and I could spend the rest of this program just talking about all of the things <laughs> that she has accomplished for so many women. She does not do this for herself. She does it for others. I do not do this for myself. I do this for others also. But in my situation, where I went in and had my normal mammogram in 2011, December, um, and everything seemed fine, Uh, However, I did look at the images and, you know, I thought, this is a mammogram, this is dense tissue, this is normal, okay, so everything's fine. 
uh, how ridiculous that I could have been in the field as long as I was and yet not actually understand that report that, does, that Nancy alluded to that has categorized our breasts into four different categories and according to the category can be more um, threatening uh, as that density goes higher. So for myself, when in April of the following year, 2012, I had noted that there was a small change around the nipple area of my breast, which I said could have been just that I'm getting older and the breast is sagging a little more, so I'm seeing a little pulling there. But I decided that I would go and have this newest technology, DVT, done, digital breast homosynthesis, also known as 3D. And I uh, also, because I felt that there was a specific area that I asked to also have an ultrasound of that area. So the DVT was done, the ultrasound of the area was done, and both of them came back as negative. Now, I felt negative, meaning that there was no cancer. I felt that I had been well served. But as the year went on, and I was extremely busy, in August of that year, I actually called a lady friend of mine who's a radiologist. And because I am in the field and because I do know of other imaging that can be done to show changes within the breast, I told her that I had had, what I had had done and that I would like to have some additional imaging. So she said, let me take a look at your previous images and then we'll talk. She called me back in half an hour and she said, Bonnie, your breast cancer did show up on your ultrasound. Why am oh I mentioning gosh. this? Ultrasound is a very good tool. Nancy mentioned that hers was found that way. I mentioned that mine was found that way. It was not diagnosed, oh. meaning that the interpreter was not good enough. So we can talk about technology and how wonderful technology is or can be. We have to remember it is only as good as the driver, the individual who ultimately is taking you on your next journey. And this Mm -hmm. failed for me. The good news is, and then I'm going to talk about these other modalities, because now as a woman who had had a missed breast cancer, I needed to think about what did I need to do to ensure that in the future I would not have the same occur to me. So given the tools that are available, and ultimately the one that I used was a nuclear medicine study, and it did help to identify not only the cancer that was there, but also that I did not have any other cancers. I am going to refer you back to the wonderful organization of Nancy's RUDense.org and a great page that she has in there that's a handy patient guide to screening options for women with dense breasts. So there is definitely more than one. Mammography right now is still the entry point. It will show the kind of density that you have. And even though there are other tools that could show density and the amount of density, it is the least expensive and the most available tool. So, And it does find quite a few breast cancers. But we really talk about the masking issue, and that masking issue can move the ability of that mammogram and finding your breast cancer with very uh, fatty breasts at about 86% accuracy to only about 48% accuracy with the densest of breasts. So it's that radiation x-ray fails to be able to visualize through those very cloudy, dense breast areas. So the test that a woman could consider having can go all the way from a handheld ultrasound, automated ultrasound, magnetic resonance imaging with a new um, form of that being an abbreviated or fast MRI and molecular breast imaging being choices. Now one would again go through the mammogram first would find out what kind of density one has uh, through either a state legislation that indicates that you are notified and or by being proactive and speaking to your radiology facility, or you might be lucky enough uh, or your healthcare provider, that the radiology facility has determined that they're going to have a program for women with dense breasts, and then they would help to educate you. 
So the amount of cancer that can be found by these ancillary imaging devices are all available for you on that wonderful guide in Nancy's um, page. I will just say that automated, or excuse me, ultrasound is probably the easiest modality. However, there, and it does find at least three to seven more cancers after a normal mammogram. That means after the mammogram has shown no problems other than dense breasts. So it can be a very easy tool to use. It just has not been picked up a lot across the country. We have a lot of resistance to implementing any additional screening. Therefore, a woman really needs to be an advocate, even if she is in a state in which density legislation for notification has passed. Do you agree with me, Nancy? Absolutely, 100%. It, it really is about a dialogue with healthcare providers about a patient's risks, screening challenges, her personal preferences, and that really is really what should happen. And Nancy, the one thing is in speaking about that risk, it's very important for a woman to understand that density is not the only risk. And that, but that thankfully now, because of a UCF study after all these years of them not really buying into breast density, that they now do agree that it is one of the highest risk factors and on the level of a woman having a genetic propensity for developing breast cancer, meaning a strong family history. In that case, a woman with that kind of a profile would move from a screening mammogram after that to... um, magnetic resonance imaging in most cases as being the most viable um, modality for her given the fact that in the higher risk categories, it can find as many as 18 cancers per thousand and mammography finds three to five in 2D and only four to seven in 3D. So we do encourage those women to think about MRI. There are some concerns these days about the injectable for MRI. Again, one has to weigh the benefits versus the consequences, and we don't know the consequences of that injectable right now. And Nancy herself uses MRI um, upon uh, every other year, is that every correct? Every other year, yep. Mm-hmm. And I can't, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to an abbreviated, shorter MRI, <laughs> hopefully soon. Indeed. Um, yeah. Ladies, listen, we're going to actually go out to break. Um, and when we come back, I want to find out, and Nancy, I'm hoping that maybe you can speak to this, why don't physicians and healthcare providers report dense tissues to their patients? So when we come back from break, let's, let's have that conversation. Sure. So, Okay, so stay tuned. We'll be back in a minute. Step into a healthier you. Voice America Health & Wellness. Thank you for listening today. Breast Friends needs your support. We rely on donations to keep our doors open and to keep this radio program alive. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation to Breast Friends. You can visit us at breastfriends.org. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon. Be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time for Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Visit breastfriends.org and contribute today. When a woman is diagnosed with cancer, she faces unique challenges. No one understands this better than the experts at Compass Oncology. Our women's cancer program includes a team of specialists in breast and gynecologic cancers, genetic testing, and the ongoing care of women with high risk factors. From targeted therapies and clinical trials to needed emotional support, Compass is a leader in treating women's cancer. Find out more at compassoncology.com. When was the last time you felt free? It's time to uncover that feeling again with the compassion of a cross and shield and the power of a car that opens doors to the best hospitals and medical centers in all 50 states. 
giving you the freedom to love, to dream, to dance like no one is watching. Regions Blue Cross Blue Shield. Live fearless. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. Can grief be good for you? Absolutely. It gets your attention, helping you evaluate your choices and relationships. Your losses define who you are. Tune in each week for Good Grief with host Cheryl Jones. Our show features those who have made incredible transformations by grieving their losses. You'll learn how to find your courage and strength. You'll discover the important things in your life and how to let go of things that are less important. Good Grief airs live Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Health and Wellness. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. are tuned into Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. To reach the program today, please call us at 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to becky at breastfriends.org. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to our program. We've been talking about dense breasts and the relationship to screening and treatment of breast cancer with our guests, Bonnie Rush and Nancy Capella. And Nancy, just before we went to break, I asked you a question. And I really, I think that this would be a great time to kind of talk about this. Why don't physicians and healthcare providers report dense tissue to patients? What's the problem? Isn't that crazy? So when I found out that it was in my report that I never saw, and that, that it was because of my dense tissue, which caused my cancer to be missed for years, I asked the same question. And the reasons I got certainly uh, gave me agita uh, because that means my stomach was hurting because there is no reason that a doctor can give me or a woman why this information, which can make the difference between an early and a late stage diagnosis. Mm-hmm. Um, so here are some reasons. They say it's going to cause trauma and scare and frighten. Can you believe this? These are women Ugh. saying this, too. Women doctors are saying it's going to frighten women. And we have never seen any studies. In fact, the surveys that we've said, seen about density reporting legislation says that women want to know that they are going to be, they want to be able to talk to their, their family physicians, their health care providers about what's yeah. right for them. Um, so, <laughs> and then it's an inconvenience, and I have to tell women, then I have to figure it out. I mean, so... A lot of doctors across this nation have figured it out and done it well, regardless of whether they're in a density reporting law state or not. Mm-hmm. Um, sadly, so just to, the, oh, let me just ask you real quick, that the report that you're talking about, just for clarity, what report is that that the doctor is getting that they're not sharing? Is that the mammography report, report? It's a report that is generated by the radiologist to okay. my referring physician okay. that really talks about what my breast exam was like. So the report that I get, the lay letter report that every patient gets because of the Mm -hmm. Mammography Quality Standards Act, you want to know more about that, check out Bonnie's book. Um, Because of that law, women have to get a copy of of their mammography report within 30 days in lay language, quote unquote, in easy to read language that they can understand. Sadly, there is another report that's generated to the referring physician, the patient's referring physician, that typically the woman doesn't know. And many times, not always, but most of the time, a patient's dense tissue is, um, is, is um, indicated in that report. So is when breast cancer is found in dense tissue, um, just to kind of summarize it here, is it, more, is it generally more aggressive or is it just because it's found later? What's, what's the story well, there's, there? That's a, there's, a, there's studies that show that, um, in fact, 71% of cancers, breast cancers are found in dense tissue. So dense tissue, as we said before, in and of itself is a risk factor. Okay. Many times it's because the cancer has to, be grow, has to get bigger to be felt. And therefore, mm-hmm. because it's, um, it's larger, it's sometimes more aggressive, it's harder to treat. And you can just go down the, the line with that. 
Um, sadly, what has happened through our work, because we were the first state in the nation, we, we, ha- we started our organizations, we have two websites. I started hearing from women all across this nation saying, I want to do what you did in the state of Connecticut, Nancy. Most of these women never missed an appointment, and they knew about, never knew about their dense tissue until after mm. their diagnosis. What we're trying to do is get that information about dense tissue before they go for screening so they can get them screening that is reliable in the unlikely event they have cancer, it's going to be found early. I mean, there's no reason why to go for screening. Unless it's crazy it's we have cancer. to, crazy it has to be legislated to make this happen. Isn't so. that, you tell me, I should be rescuing a dog right now and learning Italian. I mean, this is crazy. <laughs> I agree with you, but honest to God, even today in 2017, we have four introduced, we're going to have four introduced bills across the nation. This year, we still have radiology societies and other societies in the medical field that are either neutral or opposed to this legislation. Mm. And they're not helping. That's not not a help to a patient, believe me. So how can our listeners help with this? If, you know, if if we're talking about a possible national legislation that would just make it kind of mandatory across the board, how can we have a national bill that we reintroduced? Uh, If you go on our website, actually, I would love to have everybody who's listening to go on Are You Dense Advocacy uh, hit federal bill, and you're going to get to a site where you can put in your zip code, a letter will be generated, and you can actually uh, contact your federal reps, both in the House and Senate, to tell them to support the Breast Density Mammography Reporting Act of 2017. Hey, give us that, that web address one more time, yeah, please. It's rudenseadvocacy.org. Dot org and it's R U spelled out A R E Y O U. Okay. Yep. You can okay. get it either way, but yes, we'll do it. We'll okay. spell it out. Okay. And then right, her just other website sure. is the educational website. That's the rudense.org. Okay. So she has two wonderful websites. I'm just going to mention that actually the report that goes to the referring physician was in a way a report to protect the radiologist and inform the referring physician when it is possible that the mammogram may not be successful on a particular woman. And the C category actually says that the breasts are heterogeneously dense, which may obscure small masses. That's 40% of our screening population. And in the D, the highest one, the breasts are extremely dense, which lowers the sensitivity, which means the ability of the mammogram to find Mm. a cancer, to show the cancer. So if a radiologist misses a cancer, this does not protect them. But if it is in the report and a cancer is found later, what we call later stage or an interval cancer, it didn't show up on the mammogram, then this protects the mammography as having stated what the problem might be. It's bad for the woman, but it uh, sort of saves mammography from being seen as a totally useless entity and it is valuable for some women but eventually we may find with individualized and personalized screening which is what we're trying to move towards is that so many of the aspects of what could be available for a woman could be tailored to her specific risk factors her age and again her preferences. So I, I heard you guys say, one of you, I can't remember who said earlier, and let me just recap that and make sure I, I got that correctly. So if you don't know you have dense breasts and you go in for your routine mammogram for the very first time, you're 40, and the mammogram can tell if you have dense breasts. Is that correct? Yes. Okay, so then if you if the report comes back to the doctor saying we didn't see cancer, but this patient has dense breasts, then the next line of of screening should automatically, there should be an automatic second, it sounds to me like anyway, there should be an automatic second level of screening, like whether you whether it's ultrasound or MRI or some something. Is that, am I, I summarizing? Say be an automa- I would say there should be an automatic discussion with your docs about what you... An automatic discussion, do. yeah. I wouldn't say go, everybody, you know, we, we certainly are not there to legislate... Um, what the screening is going to be first and second kind of okay. we want conversations with docs so I would say an okay. automatic discussion but again I, I just want to be clear Becky it's important for the listeners to know when they get their mammogram they should ask regardless of whether they're in a state with, their, with a law or not do I have dense breast tissue what is my breast tissue composition 
And mm-hmm. if they have dense tissue, they shouldn't initiate that conversation. And say okay. that, this is what I tell women, say this to your physician. How confident are you that there isn't a hidden intruder within my dense tissue? If, a, if, oh. if your physician say, oh, no, you don't need it, you're young, oh, no, you're average risk, oh, no, no. I'd ask oh. that question. How <laughs> yes, confident I would are you, doctor, Miss Doctor or Mr. Doctor? How confident. I love that because I, that changes the whole perspective, doesn't it? Yes, and you know what that yeah. happens? You get a big stuttering. <laughs> I think, yes, exactly, Nancy. I think what that question also does, which is so imperative, is it moves the healthcare provider into a position where they are understanding they need to be educated. Mm -hmm. Where does that, one of the things that we're hoping to do with a national bill is to allow that radiology facilities are as involved with the educational component, meaning that they who are the knowledgeable ones on the additional imaging as well as on um, the status of that woman. They may, and they also do basically a risk profile when she comes in with her breast health history form. And progressive radiology sites are implementing these kinds of programs where there then is an immediate second um, exam done on the patient with the patient's understanding and agreement, but in other cases, it's really the radiology community, which is resistive, but needs to be there to help educate the referring physicians so that they can have that discussion with the patients if they're not willing to do that for the patient. So we really have a long road to still travel. We've seen Mm -hmm. so much movement forward, but we're also noting that there's not an end to this. It's going to take Mm -hmm. women proactively forcing this issue forward to those that are not willing to address it with them with a great question like what Nancy just asked. Mm -hmm. You know, Becky, I, I think that it's so important that we start talking about breast cancer screening. Not, it's not, it shouldn't be called mammography screening. We're not screening for mammography. We're screening <laughs> for breast Good cancer. Good point. And for some women, in fact, I just read a couple of, uh, this year, actually, there were been two major research about, do, does a woman who gets MRI everywhere, these are every year, these are high-risk women, those probably with the mutations, do they need a mammogram also? Of course they don't. It should be called breast cancer screening personalized to the patient and her risk. Now, most women, average risk will start with certainly the mammogram, but mm-hmm. it shouldn't end there. Yeah, that, make, that makes sense. So on your website, do you have a list of states that, um, have, that have some kind of yes. legislative density? Yes, we have a map. Yes, okay. we have a map. We have, they can click on the map. They can get to okay. the uh, legislation. Yes, but again, you know, I, I know doctors in states that do not have density mandated density reporting legislation like for example Florida that I know and I've spoken in, in a couple of places in Florida mm-hmm. recently that they disclose density to the patient they also talk about added screening there's some great radiological clinics and imaging facilities across this nation sadly um, they are the um, they're, they're, they're not always the, all the ones aren't always talking about adjunct screening but many several of them are and Bonnie knows uh, I know certainly more about that because she does. She also travels around the country. Yeah, that's that's great. Well, this is such good information. So let me ask you guys because you've been doing this for such a long time. What are the blessings <laughs> that you found that make this worthwhile to you? Because this is hard work. What you're doing, it is. It's hard work to get all this stuff to change and to be make people so aware. But what are the blessings? I know there are probably Bonnie, many. You want to start? Yes, I'll start with that. <laughs> Because we need the short think, version, though, because we don't have a lot of time. Very short. <laughs> so. Without having met Nancy, I wouldn't have known how to direct my frustration into something that would not um, to be proactive and useful. So she really renewed my interest in breast imaging with the potential to level the playing field so that all women would have the same chance for early detection. And although it's often frustrating, it is kindred spirits, such as Nancy, that many that um, helped me to continue to fight the good fight, and Nancy has been a mentor for so many. I really thank you, Nancy. 
Well, thank you. Well, you know, again, I always say, and you mentioned this, Becky, you know, I, I mean, I, I would trade in my late-stage diagnosis any day for an earlier one because I don't know what the future holds for me. Yes, I'm in good health right now. It's 14 years, but my cancer mm-hmm. can recur up to a lifetime, and I'm pretty oh, yeah. outraged about that. So yeah. I count my blessings every day, and well, I name I, them one I by totally... one. And, and, and one of them is certainly meeting women like Bonnie, having, mm-hmm. having women, not only women, but men who have come along in my path who have been angels when I've had folks opposing what I'm doing, especially those in the entrenched bureaucracy saying, forget it, you, you're crazy, we're not going to listen to you, you're only a patient, you're a fake doctor, you only have a PhD. I mean, so I am very fortunate that I've met people along the way, and, and I always learn to count my blessings. This, and, and again, what really inspires me when I get women across the country who say to me, because of your work, Nancy, my cancer was diagnosed early. Now, again, mm-hmm. I don't know if it was, if it was you know, um, diagnosed later, would they, still, would they be alive? But I know, and I know Bonnie believes this, early does matter. Every woman needs an opportunity to find cancer early. And if doctors don't give it to us, we're going to lose screening altogether. You know, you really bring up a good, a good thought that, I mean, just a thought in my mind, because when I found my first lump, I was in my mid-30s, and I went in for a mammogram, and my doctor said, nothing showed on the mammogram, it's just wow. fibrous tissue, don't worry about it, and so I didn't. And seven years later, it was a nurse practitioner who felt that wow. lump, because it got bigger and bigger. Same and, one. And it was, um, she wow. she's made me go in for a mammogram. Well, by then, my tissue probably wasn't so dense anymore, but um, I they found the the tissue the biggest mass was still it was fibrous tissue but I had a I had a a, t- a tumor about the size of a golf ball inside of oh. it and, and so mine was stage three when we first caught it and you know wow. and I've I've now gone through this three more times since then and right wow. now I'm I'm actually in treatment right now as we speak so wow. um you know so you're right early detection is key if you've got dense breasts. Um, I, I just really want you to listen to this show and ask your doctor, do I have dense breasts? And make him tell you. And I love that question. How confident are you that there is yeah. no hidden cancer in there? Yeah, and, my doctors were, were stammering. Yeah. I still I ask that were. question, don't forget. I still <laughs> have a dense breast. <laughs> I bet. Well, listen, ladies, we, we're, we're kind of out of time here, but I want to thank you so very, very much for all of your great information. This show will air again tonight at 10 p.m. Pacific, and then about an hour from now, it'll be available on our host page as a download, so Super. people can go and listen to it on demand. So if you want to put it on your website or your Facebook yep, pages, we'll that's that. great. Absolutely. And yeah, so that that's that would be great. I, we'd love to get this word out even more. So we do want to encourage people, if you like this radio show, um, we really want to encourage you to go to breastfriends.org. There's a big blue button at the top of the page. And please click that donate button because we are a legitimate 501c3 tax-exempt organization. And please consider making a donation to our cause so that we can um, continue and keep this show going for you. And so with that, um, we just want to remind you, we will be back next week. Until then, remember, there's always hope, and we're here to help you find it. And Merry Christmas. Thank you for listening to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Please join Sharon Hannafin and Becky Olson again next Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. There is always hope. And we'll help you find it. We'll talk again next time.